you know, sometimes they're sometimes they're paper cuts, and sometimes I felt like I chopped off a finger. This episode of LedgerCast is brought to you by Nexo. You can go to ledgerstatus.com slash Nexo to check it out, or there are two unique URLs that I'd like you to check out, depending on which feature of Nexo that you would like to explore. If you go to ledgerstatus.com slash borrow, you can see all the features for using your cryptocurrency as collateral to borrow funds from Nexo. And if you go to ledgerstatus.com slash earn, you can see their landing page about earning 8% interest with a 100% asset-backed guarantee that allows you to deposit uh, USDC, USDT, USD, uh, etc., and earn 8% back. Nexo is the world's leading crypto lending service. So far, they've processed more than $1.5 billion for more than 550,000 users on their platform. Thanks so much to Nexo for being a Ledger Status Partner. Now here's the show. Hello and welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. I'm here with Josh Olswich. Hey, Josh. Hey, Brian. Just uh, not even staring at charts today, just a blank wall in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I went and picked up some rice and beans from the grocery store. Uh, stocked today? Up. Yeah. That's you waited I, until today? Yeah. Well, this uh, is Alabama, man. We're, we're right. complacent around here. Yeah, um, come on, Brian. We've been talking about this for weeks, Brian. Well, I know, we, I know it. we have, but I, uh, I just put it off and put it off. And life has been pretty normal in Alabama, uh, and now it's not. It's, uh, but you know, our grocery stores aren't as bad as some. But the toilet paper roll was all out. Uh, however, if your goal is to get things like, uh, you know, rice and beans, pasta, dry goods, canned goods. Plenty of that stuff. So people were just worried about their toilet paper, I guess. Yeah, um, I don't get that. I don't, it must be like some mob mentality. Yeah, I don't either. Issue. Right I, in the middle of the day, though, I thought, okay, I'm going to go during the day, be no problem. And that place was packed. I went to two grocery stores. Three, actually, I drove by a third because uh, the one thing I couldn't find was uh, chicken, which is funny. Um and the, the first one was slammed. That's where I did the most of my shopping, but I got most of the stuff that I needed for, you know, just putting away a few weeks of food in case we need it. The uh, second one, they had what I wanted. They had some chicken, but then the line, it was an Aldi. The line was like 12 or 15 people deep at two in the afternoon. And I was like, screw this. It's not worth it for a few cuts of chicken. So I pieced out and then the, I drove past one on the way home. That's another small grocery store. Not a single parking spot. Looked absolutely insane on the inside. So um, they say no, they say that there's no real cases in Alabama yet, but it has taken hold in terms of the narrative. Um, most of the large gatherings, churches and stuff, are canceling. In a lot of states, canceling schools. Um, I don't think we've gotten to that. Have, what all of y'all canceled up there in DC? You're lo- you're like a a nasty viral epicenter aren't you i mean look i haven't been outside other than <laughs> this is your normal way of life everybody's like how are we gonna do this and you're like i've been <laughs> doing this for years baby i'm a, I'm a native i work from home native at this point but other than yesterday i had to go to the dentist briefly for some invisalign stuff um i haven't been outside and i couldn't tell you at least a week if not i think the costco run when i talked about that last week yeah. On the podcast. 
that was probably the last time I went outside. Um, that is incredible. <laughs> like, I mean, I work from home too. My industry is actually one of the standard bearers in terms of uh, a work from home space, Automatic, the company behind WordPress.com and WooCommerce. Uh, they're over a thousand people now, but they've long forever been a work from home type of pioneer. And actually Ben Thompson of Stratechery, if people follow tech news, he used to work for Automatic and he he just interviewed Matt Mullenweg to talk about uh, work from a remote work culture. You know, in the midst of all this, Zoom has basically been one of the only stocks that's been up and uh, it's because they've got so many new subscriptions, as many in the first couple months of the year as they got all of last year. Lots and lots of normal companies are trying to figure out how are they going to operate in a remote fashion. And I, my brother works for, he's a controller, a corporate controller for a construction company and he's, uh, they've been doing a lot of planning around that same stuff and it's interesting, like we're internet native, but a lot of people don't know how they'll function if they're told to stay home. Yeah, I mean, I don't have kids, so it's different, but um, I just haven't had a reason to go outside. <laughs> yeah. But like if you've been preparing for o- over a week or more at this point, I think you're you're realizing like, okay, mild panic is good. It's good to see the public taking it seriously. It's good to see the United States just beginning to take it seriously we had a national declaration of emergency today by the president finally we still don't have widespread testing we have no idea the numbers in this country we have no idea who has it who doesn't i mean it's 14 days you could be symptom asymptomatic before presenting you could be a carrier for 37 days after you're really a carrier for 37 days i didn't know that yeah i mean it's it's insane this is I don't think people understand like an immunologically naive population. This stuff just spreads like wildfire, especially because it's highly contagious and nobody has immunity to it. I mean, that's, it's just like one plus one, you know? So yeah, it's going to get bad in the U S before it gets better. That's for sure. Um, I think the grocery store panic will subside for the next couple of days. Obviously today was a bigger deal because of uh, the Trump thing, but, Yeah. uh, My friend Rob sent a chart and I'll uh, send it to you. Maybe we can put it in the show notes and it's Italy's case count versus our case count. And this has been my thing is like, you know, what are the places that are not handling it well, despite what the president says in his press conference about us being quick on the uh, take We're we're not like we're super slow. We are on pace with Italy and two weeks from now, we're looking like we're going to be just like them, where they're getting, you know, going from like a thousand cases to ten thousand cases in ten days, and uh, it's terrifying to me because what I see is economically uh, hitting a standstill. And again, for my other industry, which is web-based companies, and really what I would define as generally like you know, the type of services, products, software products and stuff where it's not like mandatory for companies to spend money on that stuff, also consulting companies. And I think that we're leaning in towards a potential, what I'm personally deeming like a rubber band recession because, you know, in the Great Recession and other recessions, 
there there can be extreme economic stress, but the world keeps spinning. You know, businesses operate as long as they can. People adjust. You know, maybe there's a progression of people going out of business or employment falling and things like that. What we're seeing here is just an immediate and absolutely crushing stoppage to all regular economic activity as places shut down. And you combine that with overleveraged companies and companies that don't have enough cash on hand and uh, corporate debt levels. And even if some debt is forgiven or, um, you know, like people are given leniency, the pure, from a pure cash flow perspective, there's people that if they don't have money coming in, they're not going to be able to uh, pay their employees and stuff. And it's going to be, I think, really tough for a few months as that tries to work its way um, back to normalcy. And if people can survive that, I think the recovery will probably also be relatively quick as things get back to normal. But the cash crunch, uh, I really think is going to, we're going to see some really recessionary style numbers come out on a broad basis, but then on this, you know, really personal basis of these small companies that a lot of us work with, it's not going to be easy, much less the local ones like the restaurants and the places that rely on people being out and about because not everybody's like uh, Josh Olsewich sitting at home for a week straight. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to get bad in the US. Um, yeah, they're shutting down schools for two weeks, most places around the country. Yeah, we haven't got uh, that yet, but we're probably going to as soon as cases start to build up. That's probably not going to be enough. Like it's like you said, like even multi-month, like economically, but even multi-month um, virologically. <laughs> yeah. Like social isolation has to go on for a long time and it's still going to spread. Yeah. And then like consumer confidence is going to take time. So it's definitely a month, months long process. I'll, I'll be surprised if we're, we're okay by the, the U S election. I mean. Yeah. And when I hope. say rebounding, I really mean, you know, this like when is the peak, right? Uh, like when is the the bottom from a market standpoint, which will be probably different from the peak from a virus standpoint, and which will be different from the turnaround in terms of what people can expect with like cash flow adjustments, and then that's different than getting back to total normal. Um, and that's what recessions do. You know, they there's it's a it's a cyclical thing that takes time. Yeah, and right now cryptos. Just too highly correlated with um, with legacy, and yeah. On the backdrop of all that, we have having coming up in May. Well, we had yeah. a having yesterday. Yeah, we did have a having this week for sure <laughs> across many. I mean, Tezos lost seventy five percent from the top. Yeah, I was looking that's at that. one where man, damn! I wish I could have bought that dip. Uh, I, I smiled a little bit on the inside. I know a lot of people lost money yesterday across a lot of different things, but. To see the Tezos maximalists just get taken to the cleaners just brought a smile to my face. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously, some people were selling because the price went down, but you know, the total Tezos on the books is not represented in the in the uh, in the charts. Like, obviously, a fraction of coins are what's actually being bought and sold there. So, it's not necessarily that people realized the loss that that large. The recovery was like 70 percent off the bottom. Obviously, still way, way down. Um, and same with Bitcoin. I mean, uh, it's all about this whole, the, all these moves. You know, I woke up Sunday morning and we were down 10%. Uh, I woke up 
What time did you wake up? Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sunday I woke up around noon, but um, on Wednesday, what's today? Friday. Uh, we had that 25% drop like at 6.30 a.m. Uh, for BTC. Yeah, that's where it started getting really real for me. Like I was being more cautious. You, you know, we talked in a previous episode about, hey, when is our point of saying like, this thing's got further to fall. Of course, neither of us were thinking about it in relation necessarily to uh, virus crap, but we talked about, you know, sub 8K stuff. And when we broke the 8,300 lows, like, you know, like we based it for a bit and then we went a little bit up. When we broke that again, that was when I was like, all right, um, I got to be real cautious here and not staying in positions for as long. And I got lucky enough to, go to bed the other night with, uh, in, in, in cash. And, but I woke up the next morning at 6,200 and I just bought, I just was like, okay. And I (laughs) just, I just straight up bought it back. And then I kind of wrangled it all day. Uh, and what I didn't expect and what I was absolutely amazed by was the, the drop from the, you know, 6k stuff down we went as low as 3,600. Like that is just staggering to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, quarterly futures were like 13% below spot. That's at one point or more. Sorry. I was saying uh, eight, 8K, eight it was 7,600, right? Yeah. I was, I was using the wrong. No. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got so yeah, we hit, well, we hit 38, 36 on a lot of exchanges. And this isn't even on like massive volume, really. It's just like the books are in empty. Market yeah, yeah. Makers. I'm just thinking, I'm trying to think back to where when we were in the 7K stuff, that uh-huh. breakdown. So we broke down from 8,500. That's when things got serious. But then like leg two happened under 7,700. So when I woke up in the morning, it would had it gotten all the way to 5,600, but it was like 56 to 6K was that kind of rapid move. And we spent several hours doing that before we had the final push closer to the daily close. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is what, this is what markets with no limit down that are 24 seven look like. Um, (laughs) That's for me, that's my read. I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily because there's no limit down, although it helped. I think it's more because these are derivative led markets. Um, There was no stopping there was no stopping the derivative exchanges once they trigger because you know you if your average uh leverage is whatever 8x but you start stockpiling these liquidations because of the people that are on 25x and then it starts dipping into the people that are on 10x and then dipping into the people that are on 5x and forcing them out of the market forcing them to do different things by the time it finished if someone didn't uh, recover what they had in there, you could have been at like two or three X leverage and gotten liquidated yesterday. And I think we saw a lot of that. I think we saw forced liquidations because people got pushed out and didn't have, you know, coins on hand to deposit, to offer more collateral and whatnot. Yeah. And so I we think- saw several, several market makers get blown out completely on BitMEX, like at least three, maybe four, maybe five market makers. So when that yeah. happens, the, there's just, there's just the, nothing on the book. 
yeah, the open interest got down to what was it like sub one hundred million? Uh, it could be. I didn't. I don't don't have a chart up of that. And but. remember, we were talking about Bitmex when it was getting stocked up was over a billion of open interest. So yeah. we're talking about losing more than ninety percent of the freaking book. Gone. Just gone. Uh, I think the liquidations alone were reaching a billion dollars, right? Yeah, I'd have to check that. But you could easily open a position and immediately get margin called if you're on leverage there. Yeah. It was so <laughs> like leverage again, we said this last time, but leverage isn't for times when you're unsure of where the market is going, right? Like if you were leveraged short, you did great, right? Yeah, if somebody had a confidence in the downside, um I mean, <laughs> I just, I, I guess it makes sense. There were three daily wicks in a row in one of my magic yellow boxes. Like I have this box in the mid mid to high 7Ks that was kind of like my last stand. And we wicked it three days in a row and the fourth day couldn't hold it. And when that fell, that's what started it all. And then the, the leverage liquidation engines kept going. Um, I want to talk about what this means for the confidence of Bitcoin markets. And I also want to talk about, I think I think it reduced confidence in a big way for Bitcoin markets, for people to say, like people will point at this for a long time and be like, that's why crypto is not ready, you know, uh, as maybe as unfair as I think that can be. One of the ones that I think is just as interesting is the fact of what happened in Ethereum. Um, <laughs> the maker, the like maker's, done for right like they're having an emergency vote to shut down did they have that so what ended up happening was they had 4.5 million in liquidated eth or die i i don't exactly remember but 4.5 million that they needed to cover and they were gonna end up selling maker token to to make up for the whole uh, company ended up stepping in paradigm and they're just going to add maker to their book and basically bail out maker. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw some of the notes about that, but I wasn't quite sure if what kind of settlement they came to. So they're not shutting it down. They're just getting a bailout. Essentially that's what, it, for me, in my opinion, that's what it boils down to. Uh, I just saw news that Bill Gates stepping down from board of Microsoft um, I don't, um, I don't see how you can construe that maker news any other way because they were going to end up like, if who's going to buy maker on an open auction, if they're doing it because they're to, insolvent, right. To plug a hole. I mean, they're not, they weren't insolvent, but die essentially was like, it was not completely covered. Right. Like this goes back to like the tether issues, like 75% is backed by USD or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, that's a whole that's a whole ball of wax that to me that hurts the DeFi confidence. Yeah, it, that's my point. It's like I mean, Bitcoin has its own issues, like sound money and all this crap. Uh, maybe the market's operated like a market should. You know, non <laughs> I say not manipulated, but not uh, interfered with. Um, but Ethereum's selling point, like, is it going to move on again? Is it going to go from World computer to ICOs to I forget what <laughs> you know, uh, whatever it was in between there. What were those things called? 
the uh use the, cases <laughs> yeah the token things the the little assets teletubbies not telet <laughs> beanie babies on the blockchain uh remember oh, those non-fungible yeah. assets non-fungible tokens nfts yeah, non-fun yeah nfts thank you uh and now to now to DeFi, it's like the use case rotation uh it's losing another primary primary component Honestly, it shouldn't be that surprising to us because the most common use case for DeFi was to take a loan out and go leverage long on Ethereum, which seems like a recipe for disaster. But it, the catalyst was the whole market and Ethereum was, you know, like victim number one, pretty much aside from everybody on margin, uh, you know, trading on margin. Yeah. And I've said this before many times. DeFi was a massive long leverage waiting to be squeezed. And that's basically what happened yesterday. I mean, Ethereum was down what 50% in a day. It was it went sub 100. Brian. It went sub 100. Sub it's hard for me to I can't I, I gotta start measuring some of these, but everything went down a freaking ton. That's what the people need to know. <laughs> and you know that because you saw those of you who are spot long or whatever else. You saw it. You felt it. Uh, I've I felt it. You know, like in some ways, I I was fortunate, but I, I still freaking felt it. Um, I mean, I thought one seventy five was a decent target based on that measured move from the pattern, but to see it break one hundred like it did, uh, that shocked me. In one yeah. day, you know, I mean, that again speaks to just. Books being empty, liquidity. Whatever exchange I'm looking at, it went just below 90. Yeah. On the wick. Uh, volume clearly speaks, like look at the daily volume for Coinbase. Yeah, I'm on uh, Coinbase. For, it. for, for Ethereum. It's that insane. is the highest, highest daily volume ever for Ethereum. Yeah, the uh, big level that I had marked is also where we've set the top. For what it's worth, anyone that's listening to this later and not paying as much attention... After going down massively, it the next daily opened up similarly, but then by bedtime for Americans, you know, nine, ten o'clock, started to reverse. And um, at the time of recording, Bitcoin's up twenty five percent on the daily, so it's it's doing a maybe fifty percent retrace, certainly fifty percent retrace of the total top to bottom move, but not quite a 50% retrace of like the yesterday's daily body. Um, so we're seeing a response. We're seeing buyers stepping in here. Uh, there's some really interesting levels at play. I know, I, you know, I talk about this 200 week moving average all the time. Lo and behold, that is literally right where we're at. We're just hovering the 200 week. If we close this weekly above the 200 week and like save it on a wick, I that is about as fascinating as it gets for me personally and the things that I watch. Like that's, that's just a staggering, uh, staggering change. Um, a rip off the bottom. We certainly saw big money coming in, stepping in and taking over cheap coins. Uh, I was, I was, I was speechless last night. Just walk me through what you were feeling, Josh. I mean, I know you were protected on this as well, aside from, uh, you know, uh, cold storage type of stuff. But from a trading basis, you were prepared here, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are shocked. 
at any obviously this drop is like the second worst day in bitcoin's history i think uh, maybe the worst day i'd have to check the recheck the math but um ethereum shocked me bitcoin didn't shock me because if you've been around for a while you've just realized that this stuff just happens <laughs> it, it did but, shock me that the entire world is melting at the same time yeah the correlation is stunning i'd expect something to be like holding even gold is down big today um yeah so there's no there's no safe haven nothing you know it's a liquidity it's a liquidity crisis in markets and it seems like i saw some rumors about this as well that that's what some of this is where there was a lot of uh you know there was a lot of open interest and then some of the market makers that make markets on both sides of the game you know they're in crypto but they're still making legacy markets and stuff too and this this is the reason i've heard most for the gold you know for gold going down is like you got to get out of a market to cover another market sometimes so we're seeing yeah. people get out of crypto and that's thinning the books at the same time as establishing sell pressure and uh no one's been spared no no one has been spared it doesn't like i haven't even seen you know fintwit crap talking crypto or crap crypto crap talking fintwit because it's like everybody's wrecked <laughs> you know uh it's like just fundamentally markets are so freaking screwed right now uh just like bitcoin's saving the 200 week the s&p 500's also saving the 200 week it looks like the same damn chart except for we were not we we didn't start from as high of a basis we just said yeah, I mean, the, the legacy markets just had a complete scam pump, like a weekly close announcement and announcement of announcements from the president, billions and billions of dollars uh, type uh, you know, type of announcement. And we went another like 6% up while he talked and saved exactly the 200 week moving average. So the question is, is that a market savior? Is that bottom bottom is in type of action or is that... Uh, just kind of taking a break on the inevitable here. I don't think there's any way that this is the bottom for markets. I think we'll, like you said, I think we'll snap back pretty strong, but like we're below the 200 MA on corn, the 200 EMA on BTC. Um, on the daily? On the daily. Oh, sorry, that's the weekly. The 200 weekly, like what, what weekly were you looking at? The 200 SMA weekly. We're right SMA. at it. SMA SMA maximalist. Hold on. Let me plug it in because I never use this piece of garbage. We'll see if you used my uh, ledger status toolbox. You could just switch between the EMA and the SMA. I'll link, the... That, I'll link that up in the show notes. It's a, it's <laughs> free. Nobody cares about your garbage indicators. Free on it... trading view. Is it the SMMA or is it? It's just called right? the simple moving average. Simple. Let me just search simple. I don't think I've ever. Or just this. moving average. We're just we're just learning about indicators. No, Why you're learning podcast? about indicators. Make listeners, listeners who follow me know you, yeah. you who belittle belittle my moving averages. You EMA maximalist. I still can't find it. Here's a six and twenty. Maybe that. You know the two hundred week 
SMA is probably not important. It's only called the bottom on two bear markets. <laughs> the only the only two bear markets in history of Bitcoin are the only two significant ones. Uh, we're below. I don't know. What from what I'm looking at, we're below that on the weekly. On we the are. Well, the BLX on the daily close yesterday, but on the weekly close after today, we're basically right at it. It's at, it's at about 5,500. Oh, that's why the BLX uh, data. On BLX TV. update will update on the daily close. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. But yes, I agree. We are at an extremely important level. These are levels we tapped in 2015, January, April, 2015, August, 2015. Like there are some parallels to the move. Uh, from June to August 2015. That's what I was about to say. This looks just, this looks so much like August 2015, which was the bottom. Uh, Although it feels so severe. You got to remind me back in 2015, what was the January 2015 reason for the dip versus the August one? The August one was Bitfinex. uh, August 2015. No, that was just, that was when uh, Benji was, Selling everything. Uh, he was Joe version 1.0. Um, <laughs> but the the guy Jan- made a sh- January was the Bitfinex hack. No, no, no. That was August 2016. 2016? Yeah. Right after having August 2016 was the Bitfinex hack. Oh, I see it. Man, it looks like a little baby wick on the radar now. Sure does. So the capitulation in August 2015 was just... Uh, Joe 1.0. Yeah, that was similar. I mean, markets were much smaller than they are today. There was just a couple of big sellers that came in. The bear well was, where was the bear well? Was that 2016 somewhere? I don't know. But like in the times, looking at it, you know, even retrospectively, like it was hard to say like that was the bottom, obviously, until the next week and then the week after. So like we won't know until we get successive weeks of something. You know, we didn't know the bottom was in really from November 2018 until we broke up uh, in March because we, you know, we formed the Adam and Eve on the weekly, the ascending triangle on the daily. So it's going to take a lot of time to know, you know, like you can take your guests, you can DCA. People keep asking me, like, should I sell here? Like, look, you do you, you trade your own book. If it's me, I'm buying like 500 bucks at a time. On Cash App, every now and then, just DCAing. Like, what do I care? You know, like if you if you believe in Bitcoin in the next five or ten years, I think anything will be okay. And if not, if you need the money now, you just go ahead and sell. I mean, what else are you gonna do? Yeah. In order to secure a loan with Nexo, you must first deposit collateral that'll be used as your security deposit. That's important to know. Uh, and you'd have to repay the loan if you fail to do so. The cryptocurrency is currently available to serve as collateral or Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin, the Nexo token, Binance Coin, Stellar, and EOS, with new collateral options being added regularly. You know, Nexo launched in 2018, and since then, the company has established itself as the world's leading crypto lending service. So far, they have processed more than $1.5 billion for more than 550,000 users on their platform. The company has 100 million insurance on all custodial assets provided by the leading audited custodian, BitGo. So don't worry, your assets are safe when you're using Nexo. Get started today by going to letterstatus.com slash Nexo if you want to learn about their 
feature to uh, secure a loan with Nexo, go to ledgerstatus.com slash borrow. If you want to learn about earning 8% interest on your stable coins and uh, fiat currencies, go to ledgerstatus.com slash earn. Well, for myself, I was looking at this yesterday, heading into the daily close, and we were, well, not quite to the daily close yet, but I was I, I was like I why well, I need to be in this market at fifty four hundred like that was my weekly target you know, um, so then when we kept dipping like that that's when I had to get cute and I was I don't know how many trades I made last night, um, I wasn't even available the whole time trading from my phone like, <laughs> uh, carpe noctum tips of things not to do trade from your phone yeah well I was trading from my phone like a madman last night, um. We're getting we're getting five percent scalps all over the freaking place. So I was in and out. I don't even know how many times, dozens, yesterday, as this thing was swinging everywhere, and uh, that's just what I did, you know. So I, I I was able to do a little bit better, but now, like you say, now it feels like we're on it from the underside. We're at resistance. We had a huge impulse back up. So what what's that mean? Moving forward, I totally agree with you. I think you got to be, you either have to be nimble or you have to be convicted and patient. One of the two. Yeah, but if you're not, like if you believe in BTC and you're not buying at some point, like we're down 50% from the highs. Yeah, I think as a general rule of thumb, it's just what you do. It's like, okay, set a thing in your head that's like, have we lost 30 to 50%? Turn on regular buys. Like, has anything changed fundamentally in the network? No, it can change. We can have, I think having, having, I think some things are changing fundamentally in the network. I think we actually saw a temporary hash drop. Like people just turned off their miners, which is weird for a one day thing. Well, I don't think, I think a lot of that's just controlled automatically. Uh, I don't think it's people saying like, oh, price is going down. I'm going to shut off my miner. I think it's an algo that says price is going down. Let's shut off the miners, you know, like. (laughs) People are connected to pools or whatever. Um, yeah, you could just use this automatic, uh, you know, mining profitability algorithm thing, and it'll just take control of whatever's happening. So yeah, having so having super interesting. I think the sooner we have it, the better, regardless of price. That way, we can like stop speculating. Um, the issue is if hash rate slows down, having comes a little later, like it comes past May, mid May. Dude, this is already part of the having narrative, though. Like. I mean, what we do in the months leading up to ha- the happening is just as impactful. This will be this will be a very significant moment price wise four years from now when we're doing it again. Right, but I don't like to me. It doesn't matter. Like to me, all that matters is what happens after having. To you, but I'm saying this will be a part of the narrative from from here on out. I mean, sure, but it's, I don't think yesterday is a representation of. What the happening means. It's not like Bitcoin. people, yeah, people didn't stop mining because the having's coming up or like Bitcoin just went down, but it had its, it had different reasons from the having, but it's, it will, it will impact the having narrative. Nothing has changed in the network. There's no issues there. Like to me, like Segwit 2X and all that other stuff was way more detrimental to potentially than this is currently. Like this will survive this. This will be okay. The issue is, if we go into having and 
hash rate goes way down, like it'll take time to adjust fine. Like it, it probably won't be a death spiral, but it's a security issue at that point. You know, if we have somebody or a group of people who have a large interest in like trying to destroy the network when hash rate is way down after having because mining profitability goes down because price is down, you know, like there's all sorts of those considerations that will need to be made for people. So that's, that's my main concern. Um, because we need a certain price to support mining, to support security and like break even prices for miners at four cents a kilowatt hour is like 4k or lower. So currently, currently, right. Which goes up, but because they're getting half the reward. Uh, right. Break even will go up. Right. Will it double? Um, is it a linear? I don't think it's exactly. Um, but if we say seven or eight K is really where we need to be to sustain mining after the happening, is that a reasonable assumption? I mean, I've read so many different possibilities and ranges. It's hard for me to even guess. Um, what I'm really basing the break evens prices on is this uh, F2 pool mobile app. Anybody can download it and look it up and mess around with it, but they keep like break even for every single ASIC and you can adjust the electricity costs and whatever. So yeah, that's, that's the big concern for me is the mining piece uh, going forward. Like if, if we pull a, a Litecoin where we dropped our hash rate by 70% or something after having like, then I think there's a bit of a concern there. Some like BSV or BCH overlords trying to destroy the network opportunistically. But yeah. uh, for me right now, it's... Do they have any money to do so? How bad did the, How bad did they get punished? I mean, it's not the money that's the issue. It's the hash rate. So they can just point their hash rate at the network and choose to like 50% attack it or something or attempt to, you know, like things can get, things will get really interesting. But they don't make they don't they don't make money just because uh, they pointed at BTC like they're attacking BTC they would they would lose all the money that they're using right if they're if they're BCH maximalists or BSV maximalists and they want to destroy BTC like what do they care right in the near term yeah I guess that's true uh, yeah BSV got hit pretty bad relative to BTC, but not overly, but obviously from a USD basis, they did this first time I've looked at one of these charts in a long time. Yeah. And both of their happenings are coming up quicker than uh, BTC is because nobody uses their chain and the blocks are quicker. Uh, well, they had a few difficulty adjustments and yeah, a, a DAA difficulty adjustment algorithm. Like they had some weirdness that we don't have on BTC, but yeah. So it, It'll get interesting. That's that's where price is important for me is like the mining. But do you think there are any fundamental issues with Bitcoin? Anything that changes for you concerns you about people's willingness to adopt Bitcoin because of you know this volatility extreme being proven out? Anything like that? No, I don't think nothing changes that. I mean, if like if you've been here since 2013, at this point, like what's going to shake you out? You know. No, I, I agree with that. I just think that we were, we, people like to talk about, you know, this long-term log chart, reduced volatility over time. And we just put like a big screw you to that 
thesis, <laughs> you know, like it's supposed to be relatively uh, advanced these days. And we just had a, I don't know what, it, what was top to bottom over the two day period, 60 something percent. I mean, yeah, but you alluded to it earlier when you said like the derivatives markets are leading this. Um, yeah. Do you think we'll learn from that? Like, do you think derivatives markets are con- going to continue to be driving what happens? I mean, look at CME and Bitcoin, look at CME and legacy markets. Like, I think, I think derivatives markets drive everything. So I don't think we'll learn from anything, anything from that at all. Like until BitMEX is gone, if that ever happens, um, another one's just going to take its place, you know, like Derivit's going to take its place yeah. or OKEx or Huobi or Binance, you know, like Link USDT went to zero on Binance yesterday. <laughs> I bought it soon after. Uh <laughs> You know, I, I, I want to get into the conversation of altcoins because, yeah. Um, but the way I was looking at this in terms of how can I how can I scalp, scalp these markets is basically just I've been round robining between uh, Tether, Bitcoin, and altcoins. And it's been really interesting because, you know, you want to be able to go like one transaction, not two transactions. Uh, when you're like making an adjustment to a trade. So like if I'm sitting in Tether because I think we're going to go down and then it starts to look okay. So you you know, you know can buy Bitcoin and it looks like we're going to make a recovery and altcoins got hit relative to that. So I'll use the Bitcoin to buy an altcoin and then I'll take the altcoin and send it to USD. Um, there's, there, the liquidity is not great for these altcoins, but it's not bad uh, for the, some of these majors. And Link is liquid on every exchange. So that's one of the top ones that I've been dancing in, in and out of. Um, do you think there is any good reason to be in altcoins right now? I mean, my I didn't change anything on my fund thing, my 10K fund. Um, is there a good reason to be in alts? Uh, I mean, long term, you're probably fine. Short term, I think you're going to be crushed if it's not the big stuff. Like, I think it, all the money's going to float to VGZ or the top 10, top 20. I mean, we talked about this a little last time, I think. Um, yeah, I'm certainly not like, messing. I'm I'm not messing down the line, but I'm playing these liquid large caps, the links and the BNBs of the world, you know? Yeah. EOS, LTC. I mean, LTC, VTC hit three-year lows yesterday. Oof. Uh, yeah, BNB went from, I had to look. I think it was $16 the other day. And it wicked on their own platform to six forty eight. Yikes! Incredible. But a lot of these alt BTC charts have um, either tweezer bottoms or dragonfly candlestick, or they're back in the six to eight month six to eight month consolidation zone. They ex- exited a few months ago, um, before like late December, early January. So like if you liked Link a few days ago, you're gonna love it today, right? <laughs> you're like that freaking hipster trader guy. <laughs> if you look at uh, Tezos, for example, where it stopped was literally right back into the all-time high break. It, yeah, that's what yeah. emotionally what you went through with being a Tezos holder yesterday versus what you see on a chart after the fact. They're very different. It just looks like a retest before the moon. If you look at this, you can picture that like down the line. Um, 
but <laughs> emotionally going through that sub one dollar or whatever it went on the like USD pair, if you were watching that live and didn't just get to see it later and you know recover, like that was emotionally very challenging for people. Um, trading is a lot harder in the moment than it is on the chart historically. Yeah, if you were refreshing your block folio or whatever yesterday, like what the hell are you even doing here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like price is going to dump. It's going to keep dumping. It's well, going to dump. I would say past- even if you, I would say even if you're in a trading interface, unfortunately, some of these trading interfaces will sit there and show you your USD and BTC balance while you're like dancing in and out of these things. So it's not always the easiest thing to avoid. Um, sure, but like. But, you just have to get used to insane volatility. Yeah. Like that's why most of us are here. Let's be honest. Yeah. Honestly, I think for some of this legacy stuff that's been going on, I'm like, I was trained in the fire, baby. I've been through it all in crypto. I've, I've had uh stuff go to freaking dust and uh, you're not, you're not going to get me out of this market. You freaking um, S and P 500 and your 27% drops. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I'll get in there. I'll catch a knife. Um, yeah, I have seen a lot of people allude to that, uh, that we are baptized by fire in crypto markets. Yeah. So yeah. Like, For good and bad. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't shocked at all. <laughs> like, I don't know. I was shocked we broke five. I was shocked we broke four, but like the whole process doesn't shock me because this stuff happens all the time. Yeah. I was pretty sufficiently spooked by legacy markets to be a little more, um, consolidated and narrow-minded in crypto, put it that way. Like, if oil can drop 33% in a day, then it shouldn't surprise me that Bitcoin can drop 45% in a day, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, at the same time, was I short? No, uh, I wasn't. And I'm okay with I'm okay with admitting that, but um, just because I didn't think it would go much lower, you know? At six or seven, I didn't think it would go much lower. When we hit negative 25% on a day. I didn't think it'd go much lower. So I, like I said, I bought instantly. Like I had, I came out of that thing. Like I just woke up and felt so relieved that <laughs> I fell asleep in cash, you know, and at a, but I was like, all right, now I'm a buyer. This is great. I just got Bitcoin in the five Ks. Can you like, that's unbelievable, which sounds like a good idea until you're in the three Ks <laughs> 12 hours later. <laughs> So that's when the creativity had to happen. Um, so uh, speaking about legacy again, talking about the VIX, we talked about this last time. Geez, but yeah. You were like, you were more bearish on the VIX than I was maybe. Is that right? I'll yeah, I felt, like, I felt like it was more likely to go down uh, quicker than it did. It really didn't move at all. It went way, way up. Uh, first significant down move it had has been today. Um, yeah. So until we see the VIX cool down a little bit, I think crypto's going to be muted. Like it's going to be, uh, we're going to be sitting in the lows or like painting bearish patterns or whatever, like over a multi-day period. Um, showing good bounces right now across the board for crypto, but until VIX and legacy calms down, I just don't see crypto chilling, you know? Yeah. VIX topped out just under 78 for reference, which is an implied move of uh, almost 8% per day. So that's pretty freaking stout, that kind of volatility in the market. 
historically it hasn't been this high since 2008. On the other side of things, the 10-year yield has really normalized. Uh, it got as low as 0.37. The 10-year ten, yield and what's happening in bonds is honestly more staggering than what happened in Bitcoin last night because the bond market is much, much larger than the stock market. Uh, the price of bonds affects pretty much any financial instrument in the world. And <laughs> to see what happened to yield in bonds and then the bounce, it's bounced at the current rate. It's 175% off the bottom, the bottom wick, the yield is on the 10-year. After a 75% drop in yield totals from like the true breakdown around 1.5. 1.5 yeah, to 0.37 to 1 in a week. Yeah, I think you were talking about this last time how bonds were having liquidity issues. Yeah. And that's that like, you know, that's scary. <laughs> that's extraordinarily scary. <laughs> like, So to see crypto having liquidity issues is like, well, you know, that's that's less less scary than, uh, than bonds. I mean, we're seeing tethers hovering a, at a buck and a, bucking a couple pennies here on Kraken. And when that happens, there's usually like the ARB hole needs to be closed still. So yeah. it just says like there's problems with PTC everywhere on the books. There's problems with Tether everywhere on the books. I mean, we saw a 60 plus million send to Huobi this morning uh, from Tether uh, this morning EST. So yeah. like it's going to take some time for stuff to normalize and for books to refill and it's going to be volatile for a long long time I think a week or or more. You know, it takes time to to arb all this stuff out through your bank, through Tether, through the exchange, whatever you want, whatever the people do. The good it's been, arbors. It hasn't been since the 2017 above 10k type of pump stuff that I've seen uh inner exchange differences greater than five percent and that's what i saw last night uh i was watching like well that doesn't even count bitmex i'm talking binance versus coinbase was more than five percent difference uh where binance was lagging extraordinarily behind uh coinbase and bitfinex and yeah i <laughs> like this just it's crazy man okay so i want to get to one more thing i well, I mean, we're already seeing it. The great print is what we'll call it. It is on. I've had this blog post in my mind that I want to write about the great print because we're about to print so much freaking money in the United States, the worldwide reserve currency. We already put $1.5 trillion into repo. We uh, have, have done so much already and we billions and billions of dollars of promises and uh, stuff, and we're just getting started. We're going to spend, I, th I think I estimated this on Twitter just as a over under guess. I think we'll easily print more than $10 trillion throughout this uh, whatever recession. If you had told me yesterday, like, okay, Bitcoin went down like 30, 40% and it just, let's say it tapped that 200 week, it would have felt more, would have felt more normal to me. Right. But we went way, way, way beyond what I expected. 
So let's just imagine Bitcoin's drop was kind of in parallel to all these other asset classes and not a little more extreme. I would have said, and I've said this about gold, I would have said, this is so freaking bullish for Bitcoin. <laughs> like, you've, you've become the meme. I know. You are, you are the meme destroyer of worlds. Um, you mean because I'm like saying I, I'm afraid it's not bullish now because we no, went because too far? Nothing, the, me, the whole meme is nothing is ever bearish for Bitcoin. <laughs> oh. No matter what happens, it's bullish, right? We dump 50%. It's the most bullish dump I've ever seen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically what in the long said. term. In the long term, it's inevitable, Josh. It is inevitable. No, I don't believe that. I'm just, it may, I'm bearish on... Uh, I guess I'm bearish on the dollar in the long, long term. Well, here's and the funny thing. Here's the funny and sad thing to me. Like, okay, socialism for a lot of people is a dirty word. Democratic socialism, Bernie Sanders, whatever. <laughs> Nobody likes that. But all of a sudden, we're printing money like it's going out of style. And I know. Hey, where's everybody Venezuela is talk? on board with printing money. It does not Where matter. Venezuela? Where's the hyperinflation talk? Because I'm not seeing it. Where that, is the talk about not giving every person in this country a Medicare for all type? Uh, healthcare plans. I'm not seeing it now. That's like, what I was that's saying. The other. Doing. That's what. That's, that's what my tweet said when I talked about the, the the ten trillion estimate. Is like, I mean, you remember at least the news headlines from the last recession. Like there were fights, even though we bailed out the banks. It was not politically easy to do. You know, like. Oh, and it shouldn't have been done. But there were. But my point is, there were fights about TARP. There were fights about stimulus. There were fights about bank bailouts. There were fights about anything that involved printing money. And some of those the US government made money on for whatever it's worth. Mm-hmm. You know, no not a single freaking person on any side of the aisle is uh what is like telling people don't print. You know, like no one's fighting for no printing. We're going to print and we're going to print a freaking ton. And I wasn't really I wasn't really on the spectrum before, but now I, now I am like we've hit the world like stage in a way where, uh, I see the path for this. Whereas before I didn't, I didn't know what would happen that would cause it. We, uh, maybe Rand Paul is against it. Cause he, not that I'm okay. a Rand Paul fan, but, yeah, but you know, stuff. like not, not Jared, many, people. Yeah, I, yeah, no one I relevant. Agree. Yeah. Um, the other thing is paid leave. Like if we're all talking about paid leave for all these companies. It's like, well, maybe we should just have that in this country, you know? Anyway, um, political views aside, I agree. Like negative interest rates plus printing a shit ton of money. Like what's the side effect of that? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. Right? Yeah. And it's the same. I, you know, gold is dumping. This is shout out macro voices. Uh, Eric Townsend has been talking a lot about this, that, gold is going to have liquidity issues too, just because people are having to sell gold to cover other positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I got back into gold a little bit today uh, because it's getting close to the 200 day moving average, but it could go lower. And in my mind, if we get all the way back to 1400 or something, that's where I just like take some long-term spot positions. And I think, I think gold is incredibly bullish as we get into this print printing money society. And I think that there's a chance for Bitcoin to have that same argument. Um, going down 60% in two days does not help <laughs> like at all. Uh, 
it wasn't good. Where I agree with you about the bullish dump is that the quicker this stuff happens, the better. What you don't want is a Zeke. Zcash is the prime example of this for me in my mind. Um, You don't want a multi-year drip. That's the the most bearish thing. Uh, The second most bearish thing is obviously like dropping 50% because, you know, you just lost 50%. But overall, I think the recovery is going to be, like you say, like rubber bandish. I don't think it's going to be a massive V bottom. It's going to take some time for liquidity to come back for some of these market makers to... Like a U bottom. To come back, maybe an Eve bottom. But, you know, a lot of these market makers are probably just gone forever. Like... What are these? What are these? People got blown out, man. We like there are people that are they're silent on Twitter, or you know they're not going to say anything, but they're done for. Uh, Yeah, they lost everything. Like money went somewhere yesterday, and my guess is it went into the pockets of few, (laughs) and it was it was the positions of many that went into the pockets of few, and you know whether somebody took a ten percent or a fifty percent or a hundred percent drawdown on their crypto exposure. There were a lot of people, a lot of people taken out of the market. And it, it makes me sad because I think um, I think you could have been responsibly exposed and still been victim the way that happened, the way it occurred. But it's it, I mean, it's it's a tough day for crypto adoption, in my opinion. It's it's a it's an uphill battle. It's a it's a scar on the uh, selling point of Bitcoin. You know, I was just thinking like freaking pomp talking about buy Bitcoin on every celebrity's tweet because of this or that or other great reason. It's like, why not just point to this daily candle anytime he says that, you know, like there's just, it's like uh Rubini's wet dream, you know? Yeah. Even uh, Pierre Richard trying to spin everything as bullish. Um, it's like, no dude, like <laughs> I agree with you in that. That people are going to look at this and just think, oh, I don't want to touch that. You know, that's that's a hot mess, right? I, I know I will have that exact conversation in my personal relationships. And I'll say, like, this is the risk. You know, it's a nascent uh, asset class. And in, in, in situations of extreme liquidity issues, which have fun defining that, uh, you know, these these illiquid young asset classes can get hit even worse than some of the existing ones. So then the question is like, well, then why freaking bother with it? If the whole point of it's to be like a safety place, you know? So like, it's a, it's a little bit of a tough, it's a tough narrative that, that you have to walk a line on because maybe in the long term it'll be incredibly bullish for Bitcoin because people buy into this, you know, some of the principles, um, for money on the blockchain and a, a defined monetary system. But that level of volatility is, does not make it easy to pitch. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be tough. Um, nothing for me, again, for me in my mind, like this doesn't change my beliefs about Bitcoin personally. And I think that's where a lot of maximalists stand is like, no matter what happens, ride or die, we're Bitcoin basically. But at the same time, you have to recognize like like we're talking about, like, Volatility is an issue. <laughs> Going down fifty yeah. percent in a few days is an issue that um, is going to take a long time to come to grips with as a yeah. market. I think it. I think it postpones our capability for pitching Bitcoin for the for the scenarios that we say that we think it's valuable. 
at least one yeah. of the scenarios. You know, there's some that are like maybe privacy related. Well, it <laughs> in some ways, it doesn't have a great argument there. <laughs> Sound money. The fact that it's formulaic and difficult to control, that's the selling point we still have. But the volatility certainly makes it tough in other ways. And there's a, ba there's a balance there. Anytime you or I or anyone else is pitching Bitcoin to our friends or family, uh, we forever have to deal with this. And now we have not just like, oh, yeah, that was back when it was worth like 12 bucks that did that. It's like, yeah, that was when it was like on CNBC every day and we still, you know, like and it was $200 billion or whatever and it still did that. Yeah, we're still young. You know, a lot of people said, even I might have even said we're out of the wild, wild west, but moves like this make me feel like yeah, it feels like yesterday. <laughs> it's like wild, wild, feels, yes, wild, wild west reunion. It feels like Mount Gox is back. It feels like Carpellis is at the helm, coding on PGP. Um, hey, man, yeah, it's just, I was legitimately worried last night uh, thinking about like, I don't know if I want to trade in or out of this asset because the people behind it could be insolvent. Like, whether it's people that run a, you know, like they're the foundation or whatever behind a coin or an exchange-based token or something like that. It's like, uh, did they just lose their ass today? Like, are they going to be here tomorrow? Or is there going to be an announcement that someone lost 10,000 Bitcoin and can no longer run their exchange? Yeah, that was one of my first thoughts, actually, because um, of the amount of crypto I have on an exchange or two is like, okay, which exchanges do I trust the most? If yeah. any, <laughs> let's go and, there. <laughs> and let's let's go there, or let's start removing money off of the ones I don't trust because that's the worst thing that can happen is you doing everything right, but giving your keys to the exchange, and then that's it. You know, you don't want a Cryptopia, you don't want a Gox, you don't want all the others that have come before it. You yeah. don't want to be a part of that club, you know. <laughs> yep. Not your keys, not your coins. But if you want to trade this stuff, you got to hand them over to people sometimes. Yeah, unless you're using DEXs with even poor, even poorer liquidity. But right, I mean, for the talk, for the amount of trading and stuff that we're talking about, like there's just not really a great option that's not a centralized exchange. Yeah, uh, Grayscale just put out their daily um, snapshot of the fund. Yeah, how's the premium? Were... Did it get normalized? I haven't checked that yet, but that is definitely something to check. Um, but for Ethereum, especially, I was my thoughts were like, if Legacy Bros are dumping their ETH and GBTC and all this other stuff, um, what does Grayscale do with it at that point? I think they sell it on market, or you know, they sell it to OTC, who then sells it on market or whatever. So I think that also played a role in all the stuff that happened. Um, anytime you give a custodian a lot of coin and they have the ability to sell it because, you know, that's their mandate or whatever, I don't know. Um, you're going to see stuff like this. So that's the danger of giving GBTC like 8% of ETC, for example. Is that what uh, the percent they have? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> so EC dropped 71% from top to bottom. Wow. That's a little more than Ethereum dropped, I think. Yeah, so I'd have to do the math on that to see like how much ETH they would have had to dump based on that. I don't know, but uh, that's definitely something worth 
worth looking into just because they're one of the bigger funds that are public and traded broadly, you know. Um, there are lots of like private crypto funds, but nothing quite like Grayscale in that regard. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I hope you didn't lose money. If you did, hopefully we all learned a lesson. Uh, if you got margin called, hopefully you learned a lesson. Um, if you're in crypto, ask yourself why you're here. Ask yourself your long-term strategy, DCA, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Some people I really respect and think that they're smart traders publicly said that they got obliterated last night. Um, it's not something I like to see, you know, obviously trading is a zero sum market. Like somebody wins, somebody loses, but I mean, it's not, I don't think it's something that to celebrate in that market. If people get blown out or lose a whole bunch of money, that is, that's not, not something that I think feels good. Yeah. It's definitely not a good thing for, crypto i mean it's good that some of these companies get, need to get blown out for sure like <laughs> some of these yeah. DeFi companies or something but if your like, overall participants are being reduced because they're forced out of the market and they felt yeah. like they got scammed out of it especially if they're acting fairly responsibly like you could have been acting pretty responsibly yesterday and still got blown out yeah whether in a cascade and you were doing you know you had some funds locked into DeFi and whatever provider you used uh liquidated your assets or you know, you had a low, very low leverage uh, long on one of the margin exchanges. I saw somebody yesterday, like they entered a position and then they were setting up their stop because they didn't have the, you know, set your stop and set your order on the same screen. Mm-hmm. And they got locked out because the system locked down and they lost, they got liquidated and lost an account that they'd been building up purely because of the system on the, uh, and they were responsible stop setting, you know, appropriate risk type of trader, but the bottom fell out and they didn't have time to have put their, put, put their risk management set up in. Yeah. And uh, that again, we talk about this all the time, but this is why you have multiple accounts. This is why you keep most of it in cold storage. Like, I, to, at, at some point, I feel like I'm just a broker, broken record, you know? <laughs> it's like we say this we say this stuff all the time for reasons exactly like yesterday, you know? It, when I, it, the same thing when an exchange hack, hack happens. It's like people say, not your keys, not your coins, for a reason, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like these are memes and stereotypes for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Bullish dump. Bullish dump, historically, all dumps are bullish, yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's a meme for a reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, so I don't know. This has of, to be one of our most requested episodes though. So thank you for everybody. Yeah, I, for I, I am certain we didn't live up to expectations. People just wanted to hear <laughs> us, hear us talk about the death of the market. Um, a lot of times people want like, a, you know, I do too. And I hear when I see stuff politically or whatever in some other arena where i'm like i just want to hear somebody talk about it for a while you know just to like um have a cathartic experience basically (laughs) just yeah to to live it out you know yeah i mean my lesson across bitcoin legacy i've run into this for the last two weeks is even when i feel like i'm being patient i feel like i'm 
taking my time, waiting for the move to get in, to participate. And I've been early to freaking everything. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm like, I wait, I wait, I wait. And then I still get my butt kicked. And then I like fight to work my way out of it. And I, uh, it's, you know, sometimes they're, sometimes they're paper cuts. And sometimes I felt like I chopped off a finger. Um, well, that's how I felt, you know, when we were, when we were above 10 K, I was, getting a lot of shit from people calling eight, five or, or lower. And then all of a sudden we're there. I buy it. I'm patient. Like you're saying, and then now we're at four something, five, something. It's like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you do your best, you do what you can, but, um, this is why you need risk management and you can't, you can't always trade on high leverage. You just can't. Except for Bitfinex Joe. <sighs> Screw that guy. <laughs> I think he real I think he realized like twenty something million dollars in profit yesterday. Yeah. I um now he was wrong about his position early on, but that dude must have incredible amounts of Bitcoin. <laughs> he might have caused the whole thing. Who knows? He he's either part of a mining operation or an insider, he or something, because it's just very odd. The whole thing is just very odd to me. Yeah. Well, he realized his profits last night. And, he's like uh, trading on behalf of some like Saudi billionaire or something. Who knows? But it's just, it's really odd. But why yeah, would no, you be on Twitter if you're... That's the thing. Like, why are you on the leaderboard <laughs> at all? Why are you trying to, why are you trying to create this social presence for yourself? I don't know. If I like to not, believe he's just a, a neck beard in Ohio, uh, living the dream. His family doesn't even know how much money he has, and he made thirty million dollars this no, month. I don't, I don't think so at all. Like to me, it's I just more that's about, what I want to believe. That's the that's the the crypto uh, the crypto dream, right? <laughs> to me, it's more of a like Bitfinex promotional thing because it's like, look at this guy; he's making all his money. It's like promoting a guy in the casino who's like like taking everyone else's the jackpot money, lever. You know? No, not it's not jackpot. If it's zero sum, right? Like it's yeah, it's, it's you're at, at the, a poker table, the cleaning table everyone up. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like, why would you be promoting that? I, I, the whole thing is just weird to me. I think leaderboards are stupid uh, in general, but whatever. Yeah. I'm okay with holding people accountable and having accountability for trading. I, like, I want to see more of that. Um, but the whole leaderboard thing just doesn't make sense to me. Well. Put me in the camp that uh, thought 5,400 was Omega support and then it just went through it like butter, baby. And I should have known. I should have known. We saw it happen in the S&P literally right before. Uh, so why I just was like, oh, yeah, Bitcoin dumped 30%. This is a great buy spot. Uh, you know, maybe I should have used my brain a little more and thought thought better about it and uh, waited on the the full second leg of capitulation. Um, well, if, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that we broke 5K at some point during 2020, I would have said, there's no way. There's no way. I don't know anybody who called this. I'm sure there's five people out there who did, but um, congrats to them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody who called sub 5K. Like, I think, I don't remember what I said. I had a New Year's, um, a New Year's thing where... I said, uh, I think I said I thought our range would be between 5K and new highs, but not new highs. And we talked about that at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I said no new lows, but that our range would be 5K to, to new highs. And I, I mean, I was 
3,600, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, to break 8-1, that was problematic, but not the end of the world. And then to break 7, okay. To break 6-6, six, 6-5, six, six, that's a big issue. But now it's like we're just in this sort of no man's land of um, historic like support resistance where we're just going to have to figure some stuff out down here. Because if you turn on VPVR, for instance, <laughs> there's no volume in this zone. There's none, you know, relatively. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure every chart is the same. I mean, the alt BTC charts, like I mentioned earlier, are back into like their consolidation ranges. So it's not the end of the world there. But ETH USD has to be uh, similar in that it's kind of like yeah, it's below all of its historic volume profile for the most part. So yeah, we're just gonna gonna need to figure some stuff out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I don't even have I, I don't even know what I have left. I uh, <laughs> I've just I've just been in all in all of markets uh, this whole week, and it's I think what's most amazing is just how cross how cross market it's been. And Bitcoin was quiet for a long time. Like we really probably should have known but it's been I, it's, I i expected the supports to hold up a little better i expected a bit of a fight on the way down but it just right the floor just fell out you know when when like i said earlier when the books empty out and there's nobody to sell to it's like it just it just keeps going down right and yeah. then you get the margin cascade and we're having network congestion issues and it's just so when you have network congestion issues and block time slow down, you get this wave after wave of selling because as people are trying to send crypto to the exchange, it's delayed. And then when it finally hits, then they're like more panicked and they're selling, you know, immediately. Um, so hopefully by now we're not seeing any more of that. I don't yeah. think the Bitcoin network is too clogged right now. Here was my actual prediction. I found it. I said I wasn't going to make a 2020 prediction, but I will. And I said, I think the lows hold at 3,100 and 5K or the 200-week SMA would be bought with ferocity, which I guess it has today, technically. Uh, I think we, at minimum, touch 12K. And if we tackle it, retest 20K, end-of-year estimated price, 16K. And uh, I don't think we see new highs yet. So if we go to 16K, maybe I'll cash that one in, but I don't think it's really worth cashing now. I basically said there'll be a big range. So congratulations me, right? <laughs> Well, uh, if uh, hopefully, you know, if this move surprised you, that uh, the next move won't surprise you as much. You know, 15, like if we hit 15 this year, that wouldn't surprise me. It sounds insane right now. No, I'm but, still not, I still wouldn't be surprised by that move either. Um, I'm not expecting it, certainly, but it's just like, yeah, sure. And I think maybe so that's like, worth where we can leave people with feeling like if you survived this, you now realize the type of move that can happen at any given time particularly when there's these moments of significant outside influence. So don't don't doubt the potential for targets that don't seem real. Yeah. And <laughs> my own thing is like, don't listen to every maximalist talking about safe yeah. havens or this is the best thing since sliced bread. Like if it's not right for you, if the trade's not right for you, then that's not the trade for you. You know, you shouldn't be on a billion X leverage. Until we see significant signs of inflation, there's nothing wrong with U.S. dollars. Whoa, that is a rough. 
I don't know if I agree with that one, but <laughs> we're not we're not seeing significant signs of inflation yet. That's all I'm saying. I think I feel um, like we'll have a little bit of lead in to find out the dollar is not really where we want to be. I just took a look at the uh, pending BTC transactions. It looked like looks like we peaked at sixty thousand pending, unconfirmed. Uh, it's coming down a little bit, but um, I haven't tried to send any Bitcoin. Is it bad? No, I haven't. I, I haven't tried. I haven't sent anything in the past week, at least. Um, but the ETH ETH uh, network is just completely borked. What caused the Ethereum? Uh, like, why did it end up getting so clogged? Was it automated stuff in the DeFi landscape? From what I could tell, based on what people were telling me, it was um, Tether related oh. because they have a lot of ETH uh, USDT. Let me just check the transaction counts on Tether. I don't think they were massively up, but they're definitely up on a day. I don't know. That that could have been part of it, but who knows, you know? Like it wasn't CryptoKitties level of clog, but it was enough to where a lot of stuff was having issues. Gotcha. Well, I don't know what to make of that. Uh don't move any coins around for a while, I guess, unless you're moving Bitcoin off of sketchy exchanges. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, what I would do is move everything off exchanges that you can. If you don't want to trade it in the near term, have a cold storage wallet somewhere. Yeah, there could be fallout. That's actually worth saying. There's there could be fallout from this that we don't know yet, like an exchange that's insolvent but hasn't told anyone. Yeah, easily, easily, like some of these smaller ones, uh, altcoin exchanges. You know, like we somebody could pull an F coin or whatever. Yeah, be like, oops. Um, no doubt. All right. Well, why don't we leave it there? Uh, there's. I want to find out what you've got coming up writing wise. Before I do that, I've been uh, podcasting on tulips.fm this week. I've actually done it every day close to the market close. And uh, if people want to check that out, it's talking legacy markets primarily. Um, I'm toying around with what that podcast could look like. It's mostly like a short 10 minute, maybe 15 minute me riffing on the market. Um, And then uh yeah we'll see where that goes i'll probably bring some people on talk about what they're trading as well but to make it nice and easy to try i've been just doing the short uh solo monologue (laughs) kind of reviewing what happened in the day so if you're a trader if you're interested in legacy markets i hope you all check that out and uh subscribe and all that that's tulips.fm josh what you got going on just wrote a btc article check that out talk a lot about mining and asics and whatnot um I got Tezos link and what was the third one? LTC next week. I'm looking forward to hearing those as a proud link holder right now, which is up 6% against Bitcoin on the day. So how about that? (laughs) Yeah. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks everybody for joining us. I hope this lived up to all of your mighty expectations. Uh, Probably not, but you know, we just wanted to talk about the markets and, and see what's going on. Life goes on. I hope everybody's doing okay. If you're not doing okay, talk to somebody. Uh, nothing, nothing is worth whatever your deepest thoughts are. So 
figure it out, make some more money, dollar cost average, back in, get yourself with your head straight, etc. Have a good day. Go to letterstatus.com to check out this episode and more. Subscribe. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you later. Wound so tight I can barely breathe